0: welcome to the Kinja's podcast here we will discuss
1: dance life and whatever the f- we want welcome back to another episode of the Kinja's podcast movement in the shadows today we have very special guest Jason ma in the pod Jason is an Asian American media executive artist and serial entrepreneur he's the founder and CEO of the talent management firm and investment platform East-west Ventures. He's the co-founder of Stampede Ventures and co-founder of Mass Media Entertainment Company 88 Rising. This is one of like my favorite episodes already. I already know because um, the way that this episode went is a little bit different. I didn't really talk too much in this one. I kind of opened up the road, and and Jason just kind of went off. And he, the questions that I would even have asked him, he just kind of answered in his, just his thought process and. Um, what I love about Jason is He has a very, very strong understanding Of who he is as an individual And that comes from a very uh, firm foundation And an understanding of his why And he talks about his relationship with God To things that inspire him From things that are global issues To things that he as an Asian American um, Actually really, really cares about I think... Bigger than all the the professional stuff that he's doing, which is a whole lot, Um, I feel like he just has so much to offer in terms of life wisdom and even the way that he talks about the way that he learns and the way that um, he processes things. He's a very self-aware person. Again, yeah, I feel like this is a little bit different from most of our episodes. I, there's, We still have a, a lot of good interaction here, but I just kind of wanted to stay silent for a lot of it just because I wanted him to just kind of go. So this one's packed. I would highly recommend if you're not driving, pull out a notepad, take some notes so many gems in this one i asked just a lot of personal questions for things that i was wondering because i wanted to kind of get into his head about things like daily routines and things that um, he does for himself to get him to be the the man that he is so there's a lot a lot in here i'm very excited for you guys to listen to it so let's hop right in Welcome back to another episode of the Kendra's Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. I'm your host, Ben. We got Jay Lai on the switches back there. sir. Sure. And today, I'm very excited. I've been trying to track this guy down for a long time. Always gone, traveling the world, changing the world, doing all the coolest things. We have Jason Ma in the house. Jason, what's good, man?
0: I'm chilling, man. Good That's to be back up. in L.A.
1: Yeah. Uh, for those who may not know Jason, Jason is a media exec, artist, serial entrepreneur, co-founder of 88 Rising, co-founder of Stampede Ventures, and founder and CEO of East West Ventures. That's right. You're doing the thing, man. Um Yo, first of all, welcome, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, we were kind of chatting up uh, a little bit before we started rolling on this, and um, as you're asking me, like, what what is this show? Um, so for anyone that's tuning in for the first time, this is the Movement in the Shadows show. So um, in this culture, in this day and age, it's hard to get, like, a real story, uh, an opportunity for someone to kind of unpack their whole journey of mm. how they get to or how they've gotten to where they're at. And, um, I feel like this is a great way and this, this, you know, these types of couch conversations are a great way for people to kind of tell that full story. Yeah. So, um, and we bring on people who have, um, doing a lot of cool things, but more than the, the, the flashy sexy stuff that you'd see but like the people who actually have something to say Mm. and teach and inspire with so um i've interacted with you a handful of times but we never really got to like yeah just opened up the road man so i'm very excited for for this conversation bro so thank you for no thank you man man. i'm
0: excited to share right on man
1: um so real quick though um if we can kind of just get a little bit of an origin story like where'd you grow up and that whole thing
0: um yeah just go all the way back i was actually born in texas Word (laughs) lubbock texas you probably don't even know where that is i actually have a
1: friend from lubbock texas
0: that's the only way that i know you're the first person that's ever told me that they know someone from Lubbock. but it's yeah he was the first guy (laughs) was he asian no (laughs) uh very much so uh no so my my dad and mom you know they're from hong kong and moved out to lubbock because my my dad you know, it works, works for actually for the government. And uh, so that's where I was born. And I was only there for a year. So a lot of people don't know Lubbock, Texas, home of Texas Tech. It's also the home for Billy Holiday, where he was born. Mm. Didn't know that. Mm. Um, but then we actually moved to the Bay. And then so I grew up in San Jose uh, pretty much my whole life up until 24. Gotcha. And then moved out to L.A. since. And then now I live between L.A. and Hong Kong.
1: Got it, got it. Yeah. So you did college and all that out there?
0: Yeah, I did college in NorCal. Okay. Yeah. Well I did San Jose State first and then I ended up doing William Justice University, which is a Christian undergrad, and then I did my master's at Fuller Theological Seminary here in out in Pasadena. Yeah, yeah. Right behind the right behind your backyard.
1: Yep, yep. So did you uh were you like a business major in school? What did you study?
0: Um, I studied <laughs> overachieving Asian, uh, international business. I got a major also in biblical studies and also postmodern culture. Got and it. so I did a, a, a triple threat. And That's then dope. my masters was in uh, global leadership and theology. Wow.
1: Yeah, that's huge. It's everywhere. <laughs> <That's, yeah. laughs> a little, a little ADHD, but I it, love it. Wait, so um, did you have a uh, a specific goal in mind in terms of like what you wanted to do with your life, as to why you studied so many like such a variety of disciplines? Uh, yeah, I mean, origin story. It's kind of interesting.
0: I, I share this sometimes. You know, when I give you know some conference conference speech, speeches or whatnot. But when I was seven, my dad asked me what I want to be when I grow up, and so. Uh, I took out a white piece of paper, took out some crayons, uh, and I drew three (laughs) pictures of myself. And so one was me in a business suit with a tie and a suitcase. Yeah. Second was me with a French Pierre cap and a paintbrush and a paint palette. Yeah. And third was me behind a church pulpit with a crucifix behind me preaching. No way. And so my dad was like, you know, in Chinese, he's like, you know, what is this? And I was like, well, Dad, Monday through Friday, I want to be a businessman like you. Saturday, I want to be an artist. And Sunday, I want to be a preacher. And <laughs> <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. And so my dad was like, You're a smart aleck in Chinese. He was like, And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I look back, that was when I was seven, I'm 30, not 38 now, so that's like 30 years later, uh-huh. uh, that's pretty much been what I've done in yeah. my journey the last 30 years. Yeah, Yeah. so I've been able to, you know, be an entrepreneur and start multiple businesses, that was more the later half of my life, and yep. the first half I was doing mission work, uh, went to seminary, did mission work in 40 countries around the world, and wow. then... Um, not a lot of people know, but I had a little stint where I was a Christian rap artist Let's and just uh, spoken word, and yeah. you know,
1: did all that. That's crazy, man. Uh, I'm well. One, like, congrats on hitting all your goals in life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm at that age, man. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, that's not uh, not an easy thing to do. And I think what's even kind of more impressive, or just to kind of like start, is the ability to hone in. So, like to like key in at such an early age Mm. to be like i want to do these three specific things and then you actually went to go do all those things how where do you feel like you got that from were your parents very just you know instilling within you that kind of like focus and discipline uh definitely not (laughs) i mean i grew up in a pretty
0: dysfunctional home so you know dad was not there he was always traveling in and out didn't know where he was Mm -hmm. mom was a single mother um, you know, she was chronically depressed, you know, just struggling as a single mom, just trying to raise me and my two sisters. So I think a lot of it just came from just being really curious. Yeah. Like I would just go outside and play, you know, with my next door neighbor and we would just let our minds go, you know, loose. Right. 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 Kind of like Peter Pan. Yeah. And, uh, and then once I got into, into junior high, I remember I was always into hip hop. Mm-hmm. And so like fifth grade, I was already rock and run DMC t-shirts yep. every day. Yep. And then I still remember, like, BT started coming on and Yon TV Raps. This is, like, early 90s. Yeah. And uh, I started getting into hip-hop. And that's when that really, like, opened my mind to right. creativity and just culture and music and fashion and all these different things. And so I always just was, like, really, really curious. And then... Um, Yeah. I'm not really sure where it all came from, but I do believe it comes from DNA. Like Mm -hmm. my dad's an entrepreneur. Uh, my dad just does a lot of things, right? Some things I don't even know, but long story short is like, I think that definitely comes from your, your upbringing. That also comes from your parents.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you graduated college, were you already kind of in business mode? Like you already had businesses set up or what was kind of the first sort of hustle as soon as you got out of college?
0: Uh, Straight out of high school, not a lot of people will believe this, but um, my first real boss was MC Hammer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) How many people can say that? For all
0: all you kids out there who don't know MC Hammer is, just type Uh, it up on YouTube. Y'all need to look that up. (laughs) And uh, he's the godfather of hip hop dance. Yeah. Uh, So. I, uh, I was working at a startup straight out of high school. I graduated when I was 17. I was working across from Apple Computers and Cupertino at yeah. this tech startup. And um, I had started a hip-hop Bible study uh, at my local church in East San Jose. Okay. It's kind of in the hood. Yeah. So every Tuesday night, um, it would just be empty. So I, took, I asked my pastor to let me take it over, yeah. give me the keys. And so I would basically tell all my gangster friends, uh-huh. hip-hop friends, druggy friends like yo come and learn the bible for an hour and afterwards you got the whole room to yourself yeah so we would roll out the linoleum, and we'd have b-boys djs mcs you know battles everything yeah like so a lot of like old school like a lot of old school groups i don't even know if you guys know but like Electro rock, floor rockers, uh-huh, uh-huh. headhunters like yeah, I know headhunters. They would sure. come yep. out yep. to this Tuesday night yeah. back in the day. Um, a lot of the DJs uh, that are now you know older, mm-hmm. like I always don't want to say their name because it was just so non-politically correct but the finger bangers <laughs>
1: uh, the bangers are the homies man they go by the bangers now exactly That's much they're, more the bang, they're the bangers now so you know rocky golden,
0: Rocky, rock golden child yeah. replay uh they would dj at our uh, at our bible studies in the event this is 20 years Small ago world man Dang. 20 years ago and then so what happened was um you know every year we would do a big hip-hop anniversary event for this oh. bible study called soul and um MC Hammer had just left Death Row, and he had moved back to the Bay Area, and yeah. he was preaching at this mega church called Jubilee every Sunday night to 3,000 men. It was, uh-huh. a, it was a men's Bible study. Got so you. I used to go out every Sunday night, listen to him talk, and then I was just like, yo, that'd be so dope if I got Hammer hmm. to come speak mm-hmm. uh, at our hip-hop event, right, yeah. to inspire the kids. Right. So I chased him down for six months, and uh, <laughs> bodyguards and all, and then... Finally got to him, and then uh, he was—he agreed. He's like, "I'll come out and do it," and then he's like, "What do you do?" I was like, "Uh, "I work out this uh, tech startup." He goes really? He goes, I'm a venture capitalist. I invest in startups. And I was like, oh, okay. He goes, you're Asian. You must not use computers. Come work for me. (laughs) Kid you not, he'll deny that he said that. I still remember that he said that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, So, long story short, I became his right hand at 17. um,
1: Wow, 17.
0: And basically taught me the fundamentals of entrepreneurship and business. So, Uh not a lot of people know that Hammer was early in the game in Silicon Valley in the startup scene. He was kind of first Bay Area celebrity. Mm -hmm. So, he had a best friend named Ron Conway, who is the godfather of Silicon Valley. He coined the term angel investments. He was like the first check into eBay and Twitter and all these other companies. And so we would just basically look at all these crazy deals uh, that formed the social media digital environment that we are in today. So we were at YouTube when it was five people. I was at Twitter when it was three people. We're at Salesforce when it was less than 20 people. It was crazy. And so I was just this wide eyed. You know, 17, 18 year old and Hammer would just be like, Yo, you know, Hollywood's going down, music industry's going down, everything's coming to Silicon Valley, hmm. rich content, digital distribution in 1997. And I was just like, Yo, I have no idea what you're talking about. We were laying fiber optics. He was uh-huh. shooting things with his camcorder. Right. Like, we're going to upload it to this place called YouTube before it was even YouTube. Right. And, um, you know, he was just ahead of his time. He was always ahead of his time. You think about Hammer, I mean, really, he created hip-hop to be pop culture for sure to what it is today right there wouldn't be a diddy there wouldn't be jay-z without hammer right Mm -hmm. um so in that sense he was always entrepreneurial and um i remember we were at fry's electronics in the bay area and i was like 18 19 and he just like hey jason take this cd-rom pack on how to write a business plan it was like a 50 dollars cd-rom pack gave it to me and he said, I want you to write a business plan. So we raise $20 million for our music label. And I was looked at him like, what? (laughs) 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 And he's like, don't worry about it. Just, just go with the instructions. You ask me questions and I'll fill in the blanks for you. Uh Right. uh So I literally did. I said, create a 50 page business plan. And we raised 20 million bucks. It was crazy. That's crazy. Um, so, you know, things like that was my foundation mm-hmm. starting out in venture capital, seeing Silicon Valley, digital disruption, uh, just seeing, you know, just the whole landscape change from analog to digital yeah, right yeah. and then at the same time still being involved with content and entertainment because of hammer so we were doing like k-pop before there was k-pop we had yeah. a rap group called x-large i mean this is like way before anything had actually popped off yep. and uh so what happened was um i was running the hip-hop bible study i was working for hammer i was going to san jose state at the same time and then um we were, uh, hammer was at ces i think this was 99 and he bumped into this young asian american director named justin Lin. yeah So Justin was uh, just out of UCLA, making his second Asian American independent film called Bedlock Tomorrow, Mm -hmm. and he told Hammer, "Hey, you know, I'm sick and tired of Asians being stereotyped as geishas and goonies and gangsters and geeks, and I want to, you know, make a film that really represents our culture, you know, the correct way." Mm -hmm. And so he told us about we told Hammer about the movie, got the got Hammer's number, and it was about maybe three months later, he called Hammer out of the blue, and he's just like, "Look, I maxed out ten credit cards, Mm -hmm. you know." I I got no more money, my parents got no more money, and I'm finished with 90% of the film, but they're going to take away all my video equipment in the morning if I don't get X amount of dollars in the bank tomorrow morning, and my my movie's over. So Hammer just has this instinct and just walks over to, uh, I think it was Bank of America at the time, I don't remember, but long story short, wires in the cash, no questions asked, nothing signed. Hmm. So, it so like a year went by, we hadn't hear from Justin, so we didn't know if he like ran away with it, what happened, yeah. <laughs> no contract. So, right. a year later, I'm in the office, and it's just like Sundance Film Festival on online. Roger Ebert gives two thumbs up to young Asian American director wow. Justin Lynn, and yeah. I'm like, Hammer, isn't this that dude that we invested in? He was yeah. like, No way, so calls up Justin, Justin's freaking out. We come down to L.A., I still remember it was VC Film Fest, and it was the premiere of Asian American Film Festival, and yeah. it was John Cho's first movie uh-huh. as a lead, uh-huh. uh, Harold and Kumar. It was Sung Kang's first movie, yeah. uh, who's in Fast and Furious, yep. and Jason Tobin's first movie, who's now in... Justin Lin's Warrior on Cinemax, uh-huh. right? So Justin was always, like, loyal to the crew. Right. And uh, even when Justin uh, got his Hollywood Walk of Fame, this was, like, three, four years ago, um, he had Hammer open up with the speech and basically was <laughs> like, you know, I wouldn't have a career in Hollywood without Hammer, and then Vin Diesel came up afterwards. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's just crazy if you think about it yeah. all. So that movie, uh, that movie changed my life in the sense that when I saw it in the theater, it was a big screen, and... You know, it was just Asian culture done right, mm-hmm. you know, in Hollywood as as far as a narrative story characters. And I was like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is what mm-hmm. I feel called to do. I want to represent Asian culture and mainstream media the right way. Yeah. So I told Hammer after that, I was like, you know, um, I want to leave venture capital in Silicon Valley and I want to go get my master's in film and television either at UCLA or USC yeah. and pursue this calling to represent Asian culture in media so he basically gave me his blessing was like go for it and um, so I was like okay I'm ready to do this ready to move and then I told my, my Chinese pastor at the local church that I was doing the hip hop bible study at and I was like Pastor Poon I was like you know I feel like God's calling me to Hollywood and he was like that's definitely not God talking to you. <laughs> he, was like, do that. he was like, that's Satan talking to you. He literally said that. He was like, that's the devil talking to you. Wow. He's, like, he's like, you're not going to Hollywood. Yeah. That's like, you know, Temptation Island, the whole entire thing. Sure, sure, sure. And I was just like, what? And so he's like, God's called you to be a missionary. He's like, we want to we help you go to Bible college and study the word of God. And mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. You, got a, you got a gift to go preach the word. And I was like, what (laughs) so i literally had like hollywood in one hand i had literally church mission work on the other hand and i was just completely torn so i remember it was one night in fremont it was 4 a.m we're in the studio with hammer and i'm just like i call him pastor because he's actually an ordained minister okay so not a lot of people know hammer was an ordained dame minister before he was mc hammer no way and he had the first christian rap group called the holy ghost boys that's so sick dude and then he became hammer yeah and then he became an entrepreneur Mm. um so interesting how you know life works right Mm -hmm. that i would have a mentor that literally did all the three things that i personally wanted to do yeah so god provides and so Basically, I said, Hammer, you know, what should I do? And he said, Look, Jason, he said, Hollywood's always going to be there. And he said, If you go to Hollywood in the spiritual state that you're in right now, those demons will eat you up. You won't come out alive. Mm. He said, If I were you, lay a strong spiritual foundation, build your character, do God's work, serve the poor. And if God calls you back to Hollywood, you know, he will. He'll still Mm. be there. And, you know, maybe instead of it changing you, you can change it. So. Mm. Uh, that was probably the best advice I ever got in my life. And, uh, I took his word for it. I dropped everything, uh, ended up going to, uh, William Jessup university, which used to be San Jose Christian college, uh, transitioned out of San Jose state, went there for four years. Then I went to fuller for two years to get my master's here in Pasadena. Uh, but the whole time I was basically doing, uh, night courses and online courses so that I could actually do the mission work. So, Fast forward, I went to 40 countries, um, started over 300 missions uh, between, yeah, my early 20s, like 21 to 25 or so. And then um, around 26, I think I was pretty burned out. I had pretty much gone around the world. I mean, seeing everything you could imagine. I mean, you know, from building schools to churches to hospital clinics to, to, to missions to preaching the young people all over the world, mainly students on universities, going to third world countries. I mean, you know, just seeing the gospel spread, the good news spread, but at the same time, seeing like a lot of crazy, a lot of crazy shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, Exorcisms, you know, what I'm saying like Sheesh, miracles, man. like yeah. you know, like literally everything you would read in the Bible, like I just saw in front of my face, and I was just like, whoa, and it like it became very real, but at the same time, it became very intense, mm-hmm. and I think it just uh, opened my eyes. I'll never regret doing what I did back then, but I think at the end, uh, it, it became a little too much for me, and mm-hmm. then so I wanted to get back into my first passion, which was media, and so I think I was in. 2006, I was some part of, I think it was in Shenzhen in China and smartphones were just coming out and I'm seeing like all these young kids in China like going to clubs and I'm just like, I can't build brick and mortar, you know, missions or churches or schools fast enough to reach Mm -hmm. a billion kids in Asia, right? And so I'm like, if I'm going to reach them with the good news, like I got to go back into media. Mm -hmm. I got to get back into digital mobile, right? It's got to be media that influences the youth. And so I always believe that Allen Ginsberg has a quote where he's like, you know, Whoever controls the media controls the minds and the behavior of the Mm -hmm, culture. mm -hmm. So I knew that was like the new the new medium of communication. And so I basically came back to L.A. Um, I took a break from, you know, the ministry. And then I found uh, this little this little company uh, called Plan C. I don't know if you remember it, but they used to do all the Asian nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I met, you know, one of the partners there and basically just, one, just shared the gospel with them. Second, I was like, you know, God has a plan for your life. And I still we at downtown LA at, at uh, where was it? Uh, California Pizza Kitchen. And yeah. this dude's like a former triad. And he's like listening wow. to me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and I'm like, yo, God has a plan. And um, so long story Shit. short, um, he was managing Far East Movement at the time, uh-huh. which I didn't know who they were. Yeah. And then he was managing jen uh-huh. uh the mc yep, uh the that MC. was originally assigned to dmx and rough riders but he had got dropped he was at that time basically without a job yep. and fast forward in 72 or forty forty eight seventy two 48 72 hours i baptize them all in their manager's <laughs> bathtub on wilshire <laughs> boulevard That's <laughs>
1: wild. it's a crazy
0: dude. crazy story yeah. and so i was just like Yo, God has a plan and basically I invest capital into the company and I become a partner and I'm like, hey, let's restructure the business and um you know let's 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 reach the Asian youth through through music, through Mm -hmm. hip hop, Mm -hmm. through through, through culture. And so, you know, it's a crazy story, but I remember uh Kev Nish from FM was like, Okay, uh I'll help produce your album because you know, originally I I met with his manager because my friend gave him uh my christian rap cd mm-hmm. and uh not believing that he would even pay attention right, to it so right. he was like hey let's work on your stuff so i remember in the studio and kev's just like yo you know we're listening to your rap jay
1: but you know it's not it's not that good it's all right
0: <laughs> and they're like you know it's not, you're not
1: jay-z were you actually still pursuing your music side of it like alongside with all your business like venture capital all that stuff no, so what happened was I started in venture capital, then I just
0: went hardcore mission work. Uh-huh. And then after I burned out, uh, I had this break for about a year where I just decided to start making music for Got myself. You. And so uh, it was a whole other story, which is...
1: So you kind of focused on one thing at a time versus One thing keeping- at a time, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah.
0: it was one, it was preaching, ministry, then it was purely music. Yeah. Uh, while investing in the company and learning the business, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. But I was mainly focused on me as an artist, right? Uh, As well as being a partner of the company. And so FM was assigned to produce my album, and they're like, yeah, you know, you're Asian, you know, your rap's, like, mediocre, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, we're not sure what to do with you, right? But I remember him saying, like, but man, when you pray for us, or when you preach, it's powerful. Hmm. He's like, you ever thought about just, like, praying over the music? And I was like, like, talking over the beat? And he was like, "Yeah." And he's like, "You have any of your sermons on YouTube?" And I was like, "Yeah, I got a bunch of sermons on YouTube." And he mm-hmm. was like, "Why don't you play one of those sermons over that hip hop beat your friend gave you, just see what happens?" So <laughs> I literally played the sermon over mm-hmm. a beat, and just lands in this crazy cadence. Wow! And he's just hand starts sta- his hair starts standing up. He's like, "Oh shit!" And he's like, "Yo, Jay." <laughs> he's like, "You're like Eminem and Joel Osteen, like smashed into one, right?" <laughs> and he's like, "Ching!" And yeah. he's like, "Yo, this is crazy." He's like, wow. "Can you just do this?" without writing and I was mm-hmm. like yeah I I preached 10,000 hours right and mm-hmm. I could do this in my sleep so we go to the studio the next night and I just lace three verses one take wow. right freestyle mm-hmm. and uh, he told me just you know talk about love preach about love and so I basically did John 3:16 in three verses and then he was like he was like man this is so crazy this is like Eminem but it's like not it's like so <laughs> dope and he's like but we got to make this more Radio friendly, like right, pop friendly, right, right? right? So he's like, you know, how do we like combine it so it's like Billboard pop? So he's like, yo, we got to get someone to sing the hooks, you know, with radio yeah, hooks. Yeah. So he was. I was like, who are you gonna get? He's like, man, I got this dude. He sounds like Michael Jackson. He needs the money bad. And I was like, what's his name? He says his name's Bruno Mars. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. who's Bruno Mars? Yeah. And he's like, yo, check out his MySpace. All right, so this is MySpace. MySpace. Yeah. Let's go. And I was like. Yo, this dude sounds like Michael Jackson. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, "How much?" And he was like, "Yo, he'll write, record four tracks for you, fifteen hundred bucks." And I was like, "Done." <laughs> so I still have the check stuff. Uh-huh. Bruno Mars, one thousand five hundred US wild. dollars. <laughs> he comes in the studio, laces me four tracks, yeah. writes and records it. And it was supposed to be a demo, but it sounded so good yeah. that I was like, "Yo." Let's just keep them, right? Yeah, yeah. So
1: you know, fast forward. Do these tracks exist anywhere?
0: They do. Yeah, you still oh, find them oh, on I'm YouTube. Gonna, I'm yeah. gonna hunt those down. Yeah, three of them. <laughs> yeah. One I have unreleased. Okay. Uh, still in my back pocket. And, yeah. You know, Warner Atlantic. You can't do anything about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> these guys are hating too, man. After yeah. you got popular, trying to take them down. Man. Um, But uh, long story short, was uh, I dropped that single? It's called "Love" with Bruno Mars, and it just. Overnight blew up and then was charting on Amazon. Wow. And, you know, we knew we had something. And then about six months later, uh, FM, I still remember, there was that one night uh, after a show of Cataracts, they just went in the studio and recorded a song called like a G6 Mm -hmm, in like mm -hmm. two hours. And then they released it online and in 48 hours got millions of views. Next thing you know, it's playing on Power 106. Next thing you know, you get a phone call from Interscope and then we sent Jin on a one-way ticket uh, to Hong Kong mm-hmm. on Universal Hong Kong Records. And it was a one-way trip. We had no idea what was going to happen. He had recorded this ABC, Cantonese rap album that he did for fun. And uh, we were sitting on it for a year. And, of course, he just blows up in Hong Kong. Yeah. So that was interesting. That was like 2008, 9, 10, mm-hmm. 11. And so that was kind of my first foray uh Back into entertainment, sure. media, music, culture. Uh, our company then did the first tour for like some K-pop acts like Epic High, and mm-hmm. I remember Boa had come out at that time. Seven, and a lot of people were trying to do crossover. Yep. Rain. So you started seeing kind of this Asian American entertainment renaissance, right? Years before that was Bedlam like Tomorrow. Years before that, also you see far east movement. You see Bruno Mars, of course, just goes to the stratosphere, mm-hmm. and then you know. After that, then you saw K-pop, and then you saw Gangnam Style, and then these things started hitting until you kind of hit this kind of tipping point of crescendo. So mm-hmm. 2011, I left uh, uh, my company and started another company uh, called East West Ventures now. Mm-hmm. It used to be East mm-hmm. West Artists, and that's when I saw the China film market. Uh, mm-hmm. An entertainment market begin to explode, and here's this sleeping giant called China with a billion and a half people, and all of a sudden it's now becoming open for business to Hollywood. Right. And I was like, you know what, China's going to become the biggest box office in five years, right? Mm-hmm. Bigger, th- bigger than U.S., biggest in the world. Hollywood is just going to go where the box office goes, yeah. and so these two are going to converge and become one. Mm. And the only way to join that, com- to 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 connect that convergence, is through talent and through content, through stories. Mm-hmm. And so at that time, uh, a family friend of mine, they own HTC Corporation, which is the smartphone company mm-hmm. that created the first Android Google phone out of Taiwan. And um, my best friend Phil was like, "Hey, he's the chief content officer there. He's like, Jason, we're 100 million handsets worldwide." Uh, our biggest markets are U.S. and China, but technologically, there's not much more we can do with the smartphone. What we need is premium content. Mm. And so he's like, why don't we set up a digital agency that represents talent and produces premium digital content for the mobile phone yeah. and we'll back it. So that's when I started East West Ventures. Uh, we started representing big talent from Asia into Hollywood and then Hollywood talent into Asia. And so I brought Wanli Lee home over. He's like the Justin Timberlake of, of Taiwan and China. Mm-hmm. We started bringing Agnes Mo. She was like the Rihanna of Indonesia. You know, we started bringing all these talents, placed them into the major agencies like CAA, WME here, mm-hmm. putting them into these co-production movies and basically just catching this, convergence and arbitrage where all some billions of dollars are being poured in from china uh into hollywood at the time and we were just right there at the right time Mm -hmm. you know being able to be that bridge and so now i'm representing like hundreds of artists from asia in hollywood hollywood to asia brought will smith over brought you know ashton kutcher over to asia did their you know worked on their deals and all of a sudden 2015 you're seeing digital media and digital brands like multi-channel networks, Make, maker studios, yes. full screen—you know, just user-generated content. Yeah. The Ryan Higas, you know, the Kinja's, the Jabawakis, the you know, the Kev Jumbas of the world. But then you start seeing Vice, you see TasteMade, you right. see BuzzFeed, you know. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, why isn't there a digital media channel, right, representing Asian culture, mm. focusing on youth? Yeah focusing on Asia, which just happens to be the largest youth population in the world, mm-hmm. which is 60% of the world's youth is Asian,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and two, that equals 2.25 billion of them. And 100 million of them are college students who, like me or you, maybe studied, were born in Asia, but studied you know, in New York, or yeah. maybe you were born in Texas, but studied in Hong Kong, right. and right? So there's this whole east-west third culture global citizenship around yeah. the world, and there wasn't a platform Pushing Asian culture Asian talent Asian music specifically so like in the summers growing up I lived in Hong Kong and there would be MTV Asia, but that's now obsolete Channel V which was like their version of MTV in Asia and that was legacy So I was like there wasn't like a a Asian focused platform that was cool Mm. that if Coca-Cola was like I want to reach kids in Shanghai that like skateboards There wasn't a platform they could put their product against so that's when 88 rising came to my mind so at the time, it wasn't even called 88 Rising. It was called Rice. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but a lot of people know, code name R-Y-C-E. And okay. the way I raised the money for it was, it was simple. I saw Vice Media at the time was at about $5 billion valuation. Uh-huh. I would go into these meetings with venture capitalists and say, hey, you know Vice? And they're like, oh, yeah. I'm like we're vice for Asia rice. And so they immediately were like, yo, where can I sign a check? Yeah, Right. But you got me with the name. Yeah. Got him with the name. So I was like, you know, that's, that was a sales pitch and it worked. And so, you know, I raised two and a half million, you know, uh, in our, in our seed round with some really top investors like Steve Chen founder of YouTube, which I knew from back in the day, um, top investors from, you know, Indonesia, GDP, spark labs in Korea, CBC founder uh, Francis Thong out of Hong Kong and digital uh, third wave ventures that had invested in like Drama Fever and Awesomeness TV and all these others here in LA. Mm -hmm. And my whole thing from day one was we can't, we're not Asian American. We're not Asian Asian. Mm -hmm. We're celebrating Asian culture globally. Yeah. Right. And so I had to have I want investors from every part, from Silicon Valley, Silicon Beach, from China to Korea to Southeast Asia, right? And so that's when uh, my boy Justin Chan uh, from Twilight, who's now better known as a director for Gook and now Miss Purple that just came out this last weekend, um, he was like, yo, you should meet my buddy Sean. He's at Vice, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I think you and him, you know, could really do something together with what you're talking about. So I ended up meeting Sean. He was still working at Vice at the time, yeah. and I was like, yo, this is what I want to do. You know, he had ideas in his mind of what he wants to do as well. So I was like, hey, I got the capital. You know, you got the skill set over at Vice. Whatever mm-hmm. you did at Vice, do it here. Yeah. Right? So basically, we come together, and, yeah, we, we basically, you know, launch eighty eight Rising. Yeah. Um, And then it just serendipitously happened again, right? right? It's like, we just, you know, the universe collided and all of a sudden there's this rapper named Keith Ape mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a song called Itchy Mom. We're, look, yeah. we're, we're listening to this video, watching this video from Dumbfound to passed to us and we're like, damn, like this shit's just raw, yeah. right? Yeah. And then um, after that, then it was like a few months later, Rich Chiga, right? Yeah, and yeah. at first, when we were looking at the video, I still remember we're in New York. I was like, "This is a joke? This is like an Asian Slim Jesus, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and then uh-huh. I remember Sean going, no, but listen to him spit, man. Yeah. This kid's fire. And I'm yeah. like, yo, he's actually got bars. Yeah. So, you know, then that all happened and it just kind of snowballed. Uh, and then the Higher Brothers came and then Joji and everything else. And then yeah. we launched online after six months of producing and aggregating content. And in the beginning, people didn't know who or what we were. Yeah. But the most beautiful thing about 88 was we knew that we woke up the sleeping giant called Asia, Mm -hmm. which was millions and millions of Asian youth who had talent, who had stories, who were creative, that didn't have a platform to give voice to their voices. Mm -hmm. And that's what 88 became. All of a sudden people didn't know, like why is this dope content? Wow, people didn't know, like they knew about the Kenjas, but it was in a way that made Asians really proud, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. when we started doing content with you guys, And it's like, yo, you know, we're representing our culture, right? And then they see it and they're like, yo, we can do it too. And so we started getting literally hundreds, thousands of Twitter feeds, you know, Instagram messages, Facebook messages, kids just like, yo, what is 88? Like, I want to get on that. Mm -hmm. Like, one day if I get my music video on 88, like, I hit the holy grail, right? And all of a sudden I'm just like, wow, like, this is crazy. Like, we literally have become a catalyst Mm -hmm. and a platform uh, to represent Asian youth culture. Um, So, yeah, so, you know, that happened, and I was chairman co-founder for the first three years, and then uh yeah, it just kind of morphed into what it is now, which right. is a, the biggest Asian music label in the yep. world. Yep. And then uh I went on to start Stampede Ventures in 2017 with my partner and co-founder, who's really the face of it all and the genius of it all, Greg Silverman, former president of Warner Brothers. Wow. And so I met... Greg just through the years when I was working in Hollywood and he was planning to leave uh, Warner Brothers because he still had three more years left, but he was the one that created 22 billion in box office at Warner over 22 years. And what I mean by that, he was the first guy that literally read Harry Potter and optioned it for 25K and 140 (laughs) publishers passed on it, right? When they gave him Batman five after George Clooney, he's like, this thing is not resurrectable. Uh He's like, we need to revamp this and he's like there's a young director named christopher nolan yeah (laughs) uh that i gave his first movie to called memento and he's like i think he has a good way to rebrand this and it became dark knight he turned lego into the lego movie when all the trades were like you're an idiot Uh right Hangover, no one would buy the script. He bought the script. <laughs> no one would do the movie. He found Bradley Cooper. On an Inception, yeah. interstellar. Anyways, so he's a creative genius, and he was like, Jason, Holy it crap. doesn't make sense that as a studio, we make these giant movies that market these incredible IPs. Like after Lego, the sales went up 5X. After Hangover, Caesar's Palace, I was gonna go bankrupt, <laughs> is now the most booked yeah. you know, resort in, in <laughs> Vegas, yeah. right? And they did it for free at the time because they were going bankrupt. Yeah. So he was like, the power of content the power of media the power of movies and film music to create brands but we need to own the upside right of mm-hmm. the actual brand mm-hmm. so we started stampede to basically own ip create the worlds around these ips uh but actually own right yeah, a piece yeah. of it so that we can actually get all the app up- upside so anyways fast forward we're now one of the hottest production companies and studios in hollywood and uh now what i've been mainly focusing on is just investing Uh, uh, because I've always just had a passion I've always been investing in venture on the side sure and then continually building you know content Uh, I got another media platform I'm launching very soon that's also focused on east west and bridging Mm. but uh, more multimedia
1: (laughs) want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor Meister Watches they are truly masters of their craft from quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with Meister is doing it at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at brand. Wow. <laughs> anyway. I feel like that yeah. story is packed with so much. I didn't want to say anything because I felt like, mm. I mean, I have my questions, but you're literally hitting everything as you're just going. Um, dude so much to say to that well one I think I think just your the your process in approaching everything is so intentional and and I think um, you know the going back to even as you're talking about how hammer was like you know one of your first mentors in terms of from business to ministry to just life and you know for you to at, at such a young age I mean you know at 17 18 years old you know, we're young guns. We're, you know, like gunslinging. Like we could do everything. And like, don't tell me what to do. I could do that and I could do this. But then you you had the sense to listen and be like, okay, this guy's wiser than I am. Um, I trust it and I'm going to listen to it. And so for you to kind of hold yourself back um, because you valued uh, the advice of a mentor, I think that that takes just great character, you know what I'm saying? And then for you to like know that, okay, cool, then if I do hold back, let me get my foundation strong first and then just like how Hammer said, you know, like Hollywood will always be there and it's like you found the organic way for it to enter your life. And for you to now step into the space with that foundation, with the focus, having the knowledge and the experience. And then all the while, you know, you getting connected to the right people at the right times. And like, you know, this perfect storm of a whirlwind yeah. to like, you know, yeah, 88 Rising, you know, right now, it, it's crazy and it's, it's only been a few years for it right. to like grow just Astronomically as it as it is, you know. And I, I just attended Head in the Clouds a couple weeks ago, and th- bro, that was an amazing experience for mm. me to step into a music festival. Right. That was just it was curated by Asians for. I mean, not yeah. like to say that it's only for Asians, but like you know, there were, I sensed this um, pr- like pride right. that everyone. Like, and I'm looking around. I felt old, you know, but I'm like, right. whatever, man. I'm in it, and yeah. I'm I'm here enjoying it. And like from these like high school kids to college to, you know, yep. plus and and seeing the artists on stage and seeing I'm like, yo, this is like the Coachella for Asians. Straight Which is up what rolling, up.
0: rolling Stone literally said is the Asian Coachella. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: And like, man, for that to happen, you know, sure, there's serendipity. Sure, there's maybe a bit of luck. But then there it's like I think the way that you have you've approached your entire life with so much intention and so much confidence because you know that it's coming from a place that's real within you, something that you believe in. Um and and it's like rallying the people that also have that vision. They just didn't know that like this is the time to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. And and our world now, you know what I mean? I feel like this is the time where, you know, not to just toot the Asian horn, but it's like finally you know what i'm saying like it's it's such a good thing and i love the um the messaging behind like even for 88 like as you mentioned it being the largest like asian record label but then you guys are a media company like you guys have produced so much content outside of just music Mm -hmm. from the documentaries to you guys go deep into the the cultures here where asians Mm -hmm. exist to deep in china you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. it's so authentic Um, and yeah, I, I don't feel like any part of it is a forced thing. It's just like, you're showing the layers and the multifaceted, like, you know, like there's so much to it, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I feel like you guys are doing an amazing, amazing job, man. So thank you. Yeah, man. Shout out to you guys right now. So, I mean, like with, with where 88 is at now, um, to where you feel like, um, it's going, uh, and this may be kind of like a, an elementary question, but like what is uh what was to what is like the goal and vision now in terms of like how it's expanding. Um, you know,
0: for me, the original vision was always to show the world the beauty of Asian culture. Yeah. Right. And I think that's why I said we were never just for Asian America, right? Neither were we just like Yoku or WeChat for Asia, Asia. Yeah. It was a global celebration to show the East and the West, uh, the depth and the history and also the future, right, of Asian culture, right, which happens to be half the planet. Um, I think what it's organically become now, because I'm no longer operational. I, you know, I stepped down in uh, about 2017 to go pursue other ventures, but I think what Sean has organically... Uh, created and 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 yeah i think in recent interviews he would say that it's now you know morphed into this phenomenal and movement Mm -hmm. of asian music artists yeah right so it kind of like just that's the thing about startups like you can never know where it's gonna end up Mm -hmm. right you kind of just have to pivot or just kind of go with what's working right and i think what organically popped off for 88 uh, was the focus on the music artists? Yeah. So from Rich Brian to Higher Brothers to Joji to now Nikki and you know other artists, is that it's given a voice for Asian music artists to actually have the vision and the ability to believe in themselves that their creative music artistry can be recognized by the world. Yeah. That was never possible before, right? So you had all these k-pop artists trying to cross over you Mm -hmm. had chinese j-pop you know they always try to cross over but there was always this tinge of a little trying too hard or it wasn't authentic Mm -hmm. right or it didn't feel organic Mm -hmm. right because it was trying to be too american or too black or too pop or too this or too that and i think what 88 brought was hey you know you can be who you are represent your culture but do it at a world-class level, Mm -hmm. right? And make music that's just as good as what they're playing on the radio in America, but you don't have to be American, Mm. right? And so I think that was really kind of what I believe 88 has kind of organically at this point become, right? And with people like Jimmy Iovine and others investing, you know, I think it's becoming this... Mm. It's never been happening before. It's like an Asian Def Jam. It's like an Asian wild. Bad Boy Records, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, I think for myself, you know, I think this gives opportunity to Asian media in general. Yeah. That when we started ADA, when I started East West, when I started even Plan C uh, back in the day at that stage of Plan C, was the idea that Asian culture is global, uh but it's also a business yeah right that it's an actual market hello <laughs> two and a half billion kids around the world with the most spending power you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying the most digitally obsessed and connected right uh probably the most you know global right right, right. just traveling cousins here cousins in that country this yeah. country and so i think now there is no more argument when i first started raising capital for 88 it was like is there really a market for Asian youth uh, that's global, mm. right? Is there really an East-West audience? Do kids in the Philippines really want to listen to content from Korea or Japan? Kids from Japan really want, you know, Rockwood content from China or the U.S.? And our answer was always absolutely, as long as it's great mm. and it's Asian, right? right? right. Uh, it's like I'm sure Kinja's. Your videos travel all across Asia, yeah, right? Yeah. You got fans in every Asian country, mm-hmm. and to be honest, they would they relate more to the Kinjas because of your skin color mm-hmm. than if your skin color was white, sure. black or brown. Yeah. And it's not about being racist, it's just about connecting yeah. with your culture, yeah. right? They can identify with it. And so for me now, I know that now's the time, right? The tipping point has hit. Crazy rich Asians last year, you know, mm-hmm. going mainstream you know Meg uh, which my partner Greg produced which is the shark movie it was the first movie that had a Jason Statham and a Leaping Bing and it did hundreds of millions in US and hundreds of millions in China yeah, right yeah. so we're in this world now where there's no geographical barriers right. or color lines yeah it's a digital world a digital continent right what the kids sees in Vietnam and Ho Chi Minh City is the same thing the kids sees in Brooklyn the same thing the kids sees in South America the same thing the kids sees in Hong Kong and so for now what I really see is you know east west media basically why not spread into all things like fashion food yep. travel tech sports you know documentaries you know uh news journalism yeah. you know asia does not have its own leading voice mm-hmm. right and that's a problem like i i spend half my time in hong kong and i've been there in the riots right now the last few months and what really angers me right is you have western media demonizing or sensationalizing Mm, mm, china mm -hmm. right and 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 the east but then on the china side you have you know propaganda uh media right that is demonizing the west right but there is no factual bipartisan uh media voice that's saying wait a second here it's not Western media, it's not this stuff that's actually true, that's a lot of fake news. Mm-hmm. But this other side, this agenda is not reaching the other side either. Right. And there isn't, if you think about it, the fact that Asia does not have its own media voice from Asia, for Asia, to the rest of the world is crazy. Hmm. Right. Yeah. We're the biggest continent in the planet. Right. Right? And that was always my steeze was like, why are we waiting for Hollywood to affirm us mm. and approve our culture? This is crazy. We're the Mm. biggest population on the planet. We need to control our own narrative, right? And do our own content, raise up our own talent. We have the audience for it. We don't need to ask Hollywood or ask anybody, you know, for a handout or a thumbs up or a green light in order to do what we should be doing for ourselves. And so anyway, so if you think about it, you know, America, you have Fox, CNN, you have Vice, you have, you know, Vox, you know, in the UK, you have BBC and you have, you know, al jazeera in the middle east you know but you think about it there isn't a global media platform from asia to the world and that's what i'm working on next wow so that's that's the next level i want to take it
1: that is wild man um yeah dude i think just everything that you're talking about is just hitting man and i think um again i think that's coming from a place where you care about th- these things, these issues. These ultimately, these are global issues. You know what I'm saying? You are talking about we're the biggest content. Asia's the biggest content in the world. Like, it's dope, man. Um, I want to get into a little bit of just like, um, just your personal kind of space because I think, man, I I think like so a show like this is uh, it's cool because, um, props to all the stuff. The stuff is amazing. The things that you're working on. Um, I think for myself just even listening to you like I wonder about the person you know what I'm saying and I wonder about you as an individual so like do you like how do you feel like you gain your um, inspiration and motivation to be the way that you are and and, and uh, not to be super vague about it but I mean like um, I think inspiration is a is a huge. Uh, thing that people chase, you know what I mean? People feel like, oh, I need to be inspired in order for me to get up off my couch and go do something. And that looks different for everybody, you know what I mean? And I think um, a lot of people get paralyzed by um, the absence of inspiration or mm-hmm. when, when they feel they're not pushed by something. So for you, Jason Ma, like what would you say, um, what does inspiration look like for you? Um,
0: I think it goes back to what you said earlier is having the willingness, desire and hunger to listen Mm. and learn. Mm. Uh, I always say that leaders are readers. Uh, True leaders have a quality of humility. uh, That's not about them, but it's about serving a bigger purpose. And you recognize that you can't do that without help uh, from others. And so for me, you know, it's a daily discipline, it's a weekly discipline, it's a monthly discipline, it's a yearly discipline, where I know I have to have time out for myself. So already this year, I've taken out, you know, two times, two weeks, uh, one in the beginning of the year, normally before uh, every new year, I'll, I'll go up to the mountains to this little retreat spot from my, that my friend has up in NorCal, and I'll just you know, fast and pray and just read the Bible and read books that inspire me, listen to podcasts or speeches or talks, whether it's a TED talk or whether it's a sermon, whatever mm-hmm, it is, mm-hmm. I just gotta feed my soul. I gotta yeah. feed my mind, right? I gotta constantly be learning. If I'm not learning, I'm not growing. Mm. If I'm not growing, I'm stagnant. Yep. If I'm stagnant, I get stuck. If I get stuck, I become old, right? Mm. And, and so youth is in your mind right? It's not so much in your body, it's how you think. And so you have to constantly be challenging yourself, constantly be stimulating yourself, and constantly recognizing that you don't know it all. Mm -hmm. And no one knows it all, right? But the moment you feel like you know it all, or you have it all, you know, that's the moment that you stop being of service, right? And so for me, it's just realizing, okay, I have my specific lane, right? My passion is building a bridge between East and West Mm -hmm. through media, entertainment, technology, through stories and talent. You know, that's my passion. That's my mission. And I stay in that lane. I don't try to do something outside of East West. I don't try to do something outside of media, entertainment, and tech. I don't try to do something outside of my core skill set, my core gift set, and my core resource uh, 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 access to. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's just constantly... Having time for myself where I can get clarity, because I feel like if you're not able to be alone, it's very difficult to know and truly understand yourself. Hmm. Uh, I think it's out of solitude that we find ourselves. It's when you turn off the noise of social media and what other people think and whatever drama is going on and whatever challenges are at, at hand and whatever your mom or your daddy said or your teacher said or your boss said or your ex-girlfriend said or whoever it is, <laughs> right? You got to yeah. turn that all <clears throat> off and you got to face yourself and come face to face with who you are Raw Mm. and 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 find that that acceptance and find that purpose and find that Definition of success for yourself. Yeah, Uh, but then you also need Great group of People yeah, right that I always say people are like elevators either take you up or they take you down
1: Mm.
0: So who are the people in your life that energize you? Who are the people in your life that de-energize you? Who are the Mm -hmm. people in your life that you know? really help you versus hurt you and so for me it's constantly now 38 almost going on 39 i have very few friends right mm. M- my friends are specific people in my life that challenge me um love me for me uh are not f- afraid to speak truth into yeah. me because yeah. i give them that ability to and vice versa and those are true friends and they lift me up rather than tear me down right i've gone through too many heartaches and Backstabs and all these different things because yeah. that's part of life, though. You yeah. need to learn, Absolutely. right? Where yeah. maybe for whatever reason, you know, I always look at every bad thing as a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Every tragedy or every trial, how do you triumph, mm-hmm. right? Versus, you know, it's just a test, yeah. right? And what do you learn from it, right? So there's a lot of relationships in business, in personal life, in ministry that just didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times maybe it has something to do with me. Maybe I made a mistake and right, maybe right. I need to go and ask for forgiveness. Right. Sure. Or maybe someone did wrong me, but you know what, what did I learn from that? And how do I get better from that? So mm-hmm. for me, it's very important now that I surround myself with positive people, people that are in my corner and are helping me go where I need to go or what I believe I'm called to go and that I can also help them as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Do you have like daily routines, things that you do every day from morning to night? Yeah. Um,
0: obviously, uh, I'm not as in shape as I would should be. <laughs> Gained a lot of weight since you first <laughs> first you first knew me. Um, I mean, for me, um, my main thing is just meditation and prayer. Mm-hmm. So every day, it's you know waking up, whether it's at least 15 minutes to an hour, just you know, I like I like the audio Bibles, so I, mm-hmm. I love just listening to the word of God. And so that just keeps me in the right mindset, saying my prayers, you know, being silent before Mm -hmm. I start the day, because it's like, the biggest distraction these days now is your phone, right? It's just like, you wake up in the morning, it's like a hundred thousand text messages and emails and this, that, and the third, and you just start going there Mm -hmm. right right away. And your mind just starts worrying. Right. So the discipline is like, you know what? First thing, don't look at your phone. Mm -hmm. You know, first thing, what inspires you right whether it's a book to read whether it's journaling for me it's it's the bible mm-hmm. you know uh for me that's prayer for me that's silence and just getting myself in the right mindset yep. and then facing you know what the challenges are of the day and mm-hmm. i believe when you do that you face that day with peace uh versus turbulence mm-hmm. right so i think for me that has always been key if i miss that quiet time by myself in the morning my days always go funky, mm-hmm. right? Uh, cause I look every day, it's war, mm. you know, mm-hmm. every day's a war, there's something going on that you have to overcome or do or accomplish. And can you stay focused in the right set of mind? Um, so for me, it's definitely just having quiet time in the morning, definitely trying to get a workout in, mm-hmm. even if it's cause I'm traveling all the time. So yeah. I've like learned there's this dude, uh, what's his name? thnx, Th-N-X. <laughs> the nx or whatever and he's he's this ripped ass asian dude in florida that like <laughs> okay. teaches you how to like work out on your own yeah, right yeah, like yeah, you can yeah. work out you know in your living room you know do you know burpees or you know sure. different you yeah. know, stretches and so i i figured out like okay what works for me mm-hmm. right because i can't hit a gym all the time because sure. i'm on an airplane every 72 hours yeah. so where can i go and still like Get a 15-minute workout in, yeah. you know, and try to at least stay healthy, and uh, obviously try to eat healthy. But uh, you know, I I, I fail, and uh, but you know, that's another and... thing is just don't get too hard on yourself, sure. but just make sure you got, you know, certain core disciplines that help you find yourself every day.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you said uh, leaders are readers, so I take it that you're a big reader. Um, what would be a book that you would recommend?
0: Um. I read a book recently by Jordan Peterson. He's the uh, professor, head professor of psychology at University of Toronto. It's called The 12 Principles of Life. And um, it's just brilliant. I can't even really get into it, but he has his whole psychology on how the world works, and how if you obey and master specific principles in life, you know, that you can't, they always work, mm-hmm. right? They're principles, right? Um, and so I think for me that book was really, really eye opening, and uh, it's something that I would I would encourage everyone to read. It's a bestseller, uh, but he has this whole thing about. Um, uh, uh, the lobster economy. Mm -hmm. And he basically says that, you know, we live in a lobster world and, you know, it's basically biggest lobster wins. Mm -hmm. And, uh, (laughs) and if you understand lobsters, like the one that's the biggest, the one that's the most dominant, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, gets the female lobster gets, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So there's this interesting psyche of how we work, um, and whether you like it or not, whether you're feminist or whether you're uh, you know a male chauvinist or whatever, that's just kind of how life works, right? right? It's right. how we're created, it's how we're biologically, systemically you know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 formed and, and interact. And so he says these different chapters, like there's this one chapter about make sure that your kid respects you, mm. right? And it's just a funny chapter. And he just <laughs> goes into this whole long story of him uh, you know, basically not letting his son, like, disrespect him, right? <laughs> like, he always has to yeah. be the one, like, yeah. that's in control, and right. the leader, and right. son's in submission, because he respects dad. Sure. He doesn't hate dad, but he respects dad, mm. right? And he goes into this whole thing where he has to go, like, take care of uh, his his neighbor's son, and the son's like, Tasmanian devil. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's just like flips out, does whatever he wants, unruly, you know what I'm saying? And, and he goes into this whole battle with his other son, neighbor's kid, yeah. like to make sure that he stays in his, his, uh, his, his, uh, his, what, what do you call it? Uh, his nursery bed. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and doesn't jump out and stays asleep. And he just basically stares him down until he falls asleep. Right. <laughs> but the whole thing is like, if your kid's unruly and your kid doesn't respect you, guess what? That affects the other people around Mm you right Mm -hmm. then their parents don't respect and it It just creates this ricochet effect right of 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 chaos right so anyways there's a lot of interesting things i love psychology if you know if i ever went back to college i'd probably either study history or psychology i just love how the human mind works
1: right right what do you feel like is um because uh i feel like people learn differently there are people who our readers and learn they like reading or learning from a book to being audible learners to being hands on. For you, what do you feel like is the importance, or do you feel like it is necessary to learn specifically through reading versus those other ways?
0: Um, I'm a big Myers Briggs fan, mm-hmm. so I, I actually believe it's very a very accurate personality tests. And uh, I think, you know, for myself, I'm an ENFJ. So that means I'm extroverted, intuitive, a feeler and a judger. And so I actually learn the most through feeling Mm -hmm. or experiencing. So I always hated school. Like I, I, meaning I could not sit in a class, right? And just be a bookworm, Right. right? Versus my sister. She's a thinker, right? Mm-hmm. She went to college till she was forty-five, mm-hmm. right? And she, she could wow. probably keep going, yeah. right? And yeah. she's an MD, PhD, uh-huh. and she has, a, you know, two bachelors. Like she just loves to study, wow. loves to read. She's a, you know, she's a doctor. Like she loves this, right? For me, I had to go outside and play. I had yeah. to have eight jobs from junior high to high school. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) You know, for me, I was just like always constantly pragmatic. Like I learned from doing, right? So that's why even for me early on, like prayer is a way that I love experiencing and learning because it's something to me that's experiencing and feeling oriented, right? Uh, I don't see it as boring. I see it as something that's very uh, spiritual and energizing, right? So actually reading for me is actually harder, right? Uh Uh, I'm not a, my brain's not left brain, right? I'm not like a normal Asian that just loves studying code, you know what I'm saying? And and, and being an engineer, like that's just not how I think, right? Mm -hmm. So for me, I like reading books that are less technical. Gotcha. Right. So they're story driven. Mm. Right. Or they're leadership books about biographies. Mm. Right. So when I'm reading, I'm still imagining. Sure. Or I'm experiencing like even when I'm telling you what I read from that book, I'm telling you the stories that I learned. Yeah. Right. From that book versus the specific technicalities or the principles. So long story short is I just think that every person has to find how they learn best. Yep and to immerse themselves and invest themselves in that form or mode of learning. Mm. And I think that's what's messed up with our schooling systems, is that if you don't do well in your SATs, you're dumb, right? right? If you don't get X amount, I mean, like I'm old, so SATs back in the day for me were six, 1,600. Uh, 1600. Yep. Well, guess what I scored? 880, okay, <laughs> and 200 of that was just spelling my name right, okay, <laughs> let alone I, w- I took the whole thing high on weed, you know what I'm saying, but, you know, the idea yeah. of, I was just never good in class, yeah. right, yeah. Um, but for me to say, oh, you're dumb because you're not good at math and English, sure. which, you know, I wasn't good at, uh-huh. you know, but, oh, wait a second, I was really good at these other things, right, right. right? so I think you can't put... You know, uh, you know, you can't put a square into a circle. Yep. Right. So I think that's how you got to think. Yeah.
1: Now, this is that I'm actually asking that question as like a personal question for myself, because like, I'll be honest, I'm not a reader. I never was. And but it's interesting because the books, the very few that I was into as a kid were just things that I was genuinely interested in like I didn't care about like this is you know this you know one of the 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 most popular books in school or whatever every everyone's reading like I don't know I wasn't into Harry Potter so I never read Harry Potter but like I was into like scary stories because I just love horror and stuff like that so like but I think you know just even you know with where I'm at you know now in life and I have this sense of wanting to learn more, wanting to grow, and, and finding things like podcasts or audiobooks. I love listening, and mm-hmm. I and I feel like I can visualize as I listen, and just like you, like I'm very hands-on, you know what I mean? Like I, I need to experience, and so I feel like just even hearing you talk, um, you're giving even myself um, a clearer vision of the way that I, I learn and how I function and how I grow, man, so that's super dope. Um, For you, how would you define success?
0: I define success as doing what you're called to do. So, you know, if you're born to be a fish, don't try to be a bird, (laughs) right? If you're born to be a bird, don't try to be a fish. So I think the biggest problem is people compare success to others according to themselves. Yeah. And they end up getting disappointed, disenchanted, disillusioned. Like, why is that person richer than me? Why is that person more powerful than me? Or why does that person have more things than me? Or why does that person achieve more than me, right? The only competition should be yourself yeah, and becoming a better version of yourself and becoming a better you. And so to me, success is, do I know what I'm called to do? And am I doing it Hmm. to the best of my ability? So if you're called to play basketball, you better believe you're going to be the best version, right, of a basketball player that you know how to be. Yeah. So, you know, I think the difference between, you know, a junior professional and a Kobe Bryant or a Russell Westbrook is they know they're called to play basketball, but they put in that extra effort and extra Investment of sacrifice and training and shooting when you were sleeping, they were training. You know, when you were not maximizing your gift or your calling, they were early morning shooting hoops, mm-hmm. right? And so I think when I hear, you know, in life, it's about finding your gift, but finding your passion. But gift and passion are only 50% of it then it takes hard work. right? So if you know your gift, what you're great at, put that into your passion, whether that's dancing, writing, engineering, designing, cooking, doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Find that passion and then put in the hard work. Yeah. And then you can reach your maximum potential. Yeah. And so for me, it's just about doing what you're called to do and not regretting the day when you're you know, ready to go and yeah. saying, dang, I wish I did that, right. or I did more of that, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I feel like is the key to life, is just knowing who you are, knowing what you're called to do, and making sure that you do it.
1: I love that. That's what's up, man. I uh, wanna do a quick lightning round session with you. I'm gonna fire off some questions. Sure. Just gotta come off top. Here we go at three, two, one. What is your favorite food? Noodles. What was your childhood dream? To be rich. <laughs> <laughs> Dead or alive, you can have lunch with this person who is that? Bruce Lee. Sick. What what is your or what was your proudest moment?
0: Graduating from college and seeing my mom proud. Tight. What is your biggest fear? Not doing what I'm called to.
1: If you have any, um, what are your regrets or what is a regret, if you have any?
0: Um, Losing my discipline and doing things that I know were not right, whether they're vices, sins, or things that I knew hurt other people. And so whenever I mess up, those are things that I regret And things that I pray I can learn from and not do again. Hmm.
1: Legit. If you can hop in a time machine and go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't be so hard on yourself. Less of, more of. If you could see something less of in the world and also more of in the world, what would those be? Less hate.
0: Sounds cliche more love but for me more understanding. Hmm. I think the problem is people, cultures, nations lack understanding. Mm-hmm. If there was more understanding, I think there would be a lot more love.
1: And a lot more less and a lot less hate. That's dope. I dig it. What is your golden rule, your life mantra that you live by?
0: Stay humble. Always be the best version of yourself and always do unto others as you would do unto yourself or put yourself in the other person's shoes It's hmm. legit and man. be thankful.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Jason, man, I'm just here sitting and like, this is great, man. Like this is, I already know easily. This is one of my favorite ones. Cause I'm over here. I feel like I'm, this is like my school, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, it's cool because these conversations are different, based off of who's sitting across from me, and they they take on a life of its own, and I'm sitting here today in fully just, like, student mode. Not to say that I'm not a student for anyone else, but just from, you know, sure, the things that you've accomplished and the things that you're doing, which I think are amazing, you you know, for our culture, for our people, and all of that, and I'm so inspired by just that stuff, but, I mean, just... Um, understanding who you are as to the core of who you are, like why are you the way that you are, you know what I mean? And the way that you attribute all of it back to God and then even your disciplines of what you put into your daily routines are in light of that, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and taking those things, um, I mean, even to implement those things comes from um, an awareness of yourself. And I feel like you have such a firm grasp of who you are and it's not and i think the cool thing about it is that oftentimes people think that like confidence comes with this sort of um you know overbearing spirit or even arrogance right. to, you know what i mean and being this loud personality but i feel like confidence is, is oftentimes very silent, you know? Mm-hmm. And and like, I think as you're talking about, um, you know, spending that time in solitude with the intention of, this is so that I get to know who I am mm-hmm. and what's going on within me, because there's a lot of stuff that changes within us yeah. too from day to day. Because we get bombarded by all the stuff mm-hmm. too outside the noise, the social media, to stuff going on around the world, and and you know that stuff messes with us. Mm-hmm. Where we have to just be like, dude, I need to dial it back mm-hmm. in. So I need to do an inventory of like, mm-hmm. am I okay? You know, how how do I uh, respond to these things? How do I not get shook by those things? And like. Man, it's such a it's it's very inspiring, man. And like for you to say it, like you're 38, I'm right there with you, bro. We're the same age. That's why I was tripping. I'm like, man, you have you have this wisdom, man, that like um, is far beyond your years. And and I think it's um, taking it back all the all the way to your childhood to you know your early days of being so focused of like I'm gonna be these three things mm-hmm. drawn in crayon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, and here you are, like. You know, jumping years ahead, like doing it on on such a, a huge scale, but um, with such a respectable um, demeanor and and a, a like just a way about yourself, man. So, um, I want to thank you personally for coming on, for educating you, me and inspiring me as a brother. And for, you know, for our listeners out there, you know, like, and again, this is not just for dancers. And I think this is, um, these platforms, you're talking about information going out there, you know what Mm. I mean? Information needs to reach the masses so that people can, you know what I'm saying? Start thinking about things that maybe are not in their normal, um, you know, routine of, you know, thought processes and stuff. And, and you have so much to offer here, man. So thank you for coming on and dropping knowledge bombs and thank you brother and inspos man all day dude yeah um where can people follow the journey man if people want to know what's going on with you to get a little bit more of jason ma what what can they do
0: um <sighs> follow me on instagram
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh Plug you know IG. what is what's your ig
0: it's just my name jace at jason ma um I, I really don't post like that. I mean, I, I give little bits and glimpses, but I think what you're doing here is very is very enjoyable for me. Uh, it's just great to even just talk like this because you start realizing, oh my God, I, you know, wow, you know, I never thought about how impactful that was in my mm-hmm. own journey. But mm-hmm. I always tell people that you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans because <laughs> it never turns out the way you think it's going to turn out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, just. Uh, there isn't really anything to follow me at, but uh, I think in the, the day, just you will know me by my fruit mm-hmm. and by my works. So I always
1: kind of just let the things that I do speak for for myself. Yeah, yeah. Versus words. That's what's up. Anything else coming up uh, exciting that you want to plug or share about, or
0: um there's a lot you'll see yeah okay there's a lot coming you'll so see we just got to follow stay tuned yeah, yeah. stay tuned that's there's a up. lot a lot
1: a lot of next level stuff that's coming so we're very i'm very i'm very excited okay. the people i'm working I'm, with are. i'm excited to see what it is yes sir let's do something <laughs> that's what it is man um thank you guys so much for listening uh to this episode um if you find this episode to be dope we got 60-something episodes before it. We are officially over a year old. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, following our journey. Um, If this is providing value in any kind of way, all we ask that you do is share it. Um, That's the only way that we market this show is by you guys sharing. Uh, Follow us on IG. Kinja's podcast, cast with a K. Keep sending those DMs. I love reading about what you guys are learning, um, things that you're finding in each episode that you're that you find entertaining or inspirational. I think all of that's super dope, and I love uh, regramming and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, if this is dope, uh, hop onto yours, um, iTunes or or wherever you find the podcast. Leave us uh, a rating, a review. Let us know what we're doing well to what we could be improving on. This is a growth process uh, for us as well. And so keep doing that. Um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And um, it's just been really fun. We got a lot more coming. Jason, thank you so much for coming through. My pleasure. And we'll catch y'all next time. Peace, Peace. out. Peace.